for such a task as this. My answer to that is we are. The church is adequate because we have Christ. And God will get our attention through prayer, and we will get God's attention through prayer. So there's power in prayer. Power in prayer. John Wesley said, God does, and I said this before, God does nothing in the affairs of men other than in response to answers of prayer. God does nothing in the affairs of men other than in response to prayer. So the main premise here is that if you want God's attention, are you are God you want God to get your attention, then that's how we interact. Because the Bible teaches us that as Christians, Jesus sacrificed his life, and because of the sacrifice that was applicable to us, and also it was applicable to God. So the only thing that God's interested in is the blood and sacrifice of Jesus and what interests and keeps us and saves us in our faith in the blood of Jesus. And when we come to that point, that's when God says, I'll meet you there at that mercy seat. And that's where prayer starts, when you're encountering God and talking to God. That is what Christianity, that's the security of Christianity. That's what keeps us going. That's our hope. So how do we use the power of prayer? Well, the first thing that we need to do in first Chronicles, it says, First Chronicles, and if you have if you're taking notes, I'll give you some scriptures today, so you can write it down. First Chronicles 16.11. First thing you have to do is plug into the power. It's simple. Nothing complicated about that. Does anybody have any electronic machines that have a plug-in that work without being plugged in? It doesn't happen. It's not even a question. I don't sit there and speculate maybe it will work if I don't plug it in. This will not work if you do not plug it in. Look to the Lord's strength. Look to the Lord's strength. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, actually I like this verse, we're going to read that one. Then if my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. There's a power. God is the ultimate power in the universe. So when he talks, everybody listens. Maybe, except sometimes us. That's the problem here. I'll give you an illustration. When I was at work, when, when there is many, many, many people in the office, everybody's doing things. 
There's all kinds of action going on, just like there is in the earth itself and in heaven and all around the, the universe and all the things that are going on. There's a lot going on. Now, when the CEO walked through the office of the company, he could turn around and say to anybody there, you do this, you do that, you do that. But the one person that was following him, taking instructions from him, and listening intently to him, was another manager that had a lot of influence over hundreds of people. And he was sitting there intently listening to the CEO of what he wanted, what his desire was, what his outcome he wanted, every single thing that he wanted, that other man was listening to very intently because he was going to do it. He was going to go to the other people and tell them, you do this, this, and this, and this. This is what the boss wants. This is the same kind of idea about God. God love, the CEO. People listen. Angels listen. Things are done because that's the power source. So God is the power source. The other thing of how to use the power of prayer is to never doubt the power of prayer because God will respond. And if you want, I can give you over 40 verses right off the top that tell you this. This is not something that I'm just making up or some preacher making up. The first Chronicles 5.20 says, And he answered their prayers because Never ever doubt. Never doubt. God can answer your prayers. It's totally against If you have a thought that says God is not going to answer my prayer, that is not scriptural. Simple. And I'll tell you another illustration from work. And I'll tell you why. I was on the job, and I have a manager that I work for. Well, I don't even really work for her, but she, everything that I do with the clients directly <coughs> will come back to her if there's a problem. So one day I'm on the job, and I called her. There's no answer, because I had an issue with some clients. And it was not more than 10 minutes later, and she called back. Very busy person. And the reason she called back is because I represent her. Every encounter, every word, every single thing that I do with her client, are the clients as a whole, all, they represent her and her ability to run the show. It influences her reputation, it will affect her past, it will affect her present, and it will affect her future. I represent her. God is the same. Everything that you do represents God. God the Father, you're the ambassador. God the Father, you're the ambassador. His reputation comes down to what you do. The past, the present, the future. He's interested 
because it has his name on it. My manager was interested because everything I do has her name on it. This is a very important thing to realize that God is interested. He's the <laughs> Father, and you are the ambassador that involves him in reputation, past, and the future. If you have Bibles today, I want to take a look at Acts chapter 12 with you. And let's read this chapter because we said that 245 million victims are suffering today. But this is nothing new. And I want to go back to Acts chapter 12 and just have a look at this story of Peter and someone happened to the church. So about the time King Herod began to persecute some believers in the church, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he arrested Peter. He also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. It sounds a little bit about Christ already. Christ was all, all Christ stuff happened at the Passover. So when you're reading this, put Christ in mind also. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for a public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church, but, I love that word but, we'll talk about that word but right there, but, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Ha, I don't know about you, Stephen. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the sun. The angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Then the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. And he didn't realize that it was actually happening. And they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. They're huge. Probably four times bigger than, like they're the size of that wall. Men do not just open those gates up. It's a big program. Open by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left them. As quickly as he appeared, he was gone. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And he knocked on the door in the gate, and a certain girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing out of the door. You're out of your mind. They said. And when she insisted, they decided it must be an angel. Well, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door, saw him, they were amazed. 
He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord got let them out of prison, helped James and the other brothers, what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. And at dawn, there was a great commotion. I love when the Bible uses words like great. You got to know that that's a big deal. That's not just a little, you know, little incident. This is a great commotion. Sixteen guards. Chained. Disappeared. There was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him, and when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. So, Herod had massive, big, pompous, elaborate preparations that were going on here. He had big, grim determination. People in the city, they were all maliciously expecting this execution of Peter. This is going to be great. Last week we killed James. That was great. That was good fun. This week, yeah, Peter's in jail. Herod's going to do something really exciting. And all the great, you know, the Jewish leaders, everybody's going to be ecstatic about this. And they expected a spectacle at the end of the Passover feast. And what did the Christians have? The Christians had prayer. That's all they had. They had Jesus, and they had prayer. And that was enough. So prayer was actually happening in the early church. And I like this verse here. How was it happening? Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. Acts 12, 5. This is one way of saying it, but I'm going to just spend a minute here because this is very important. The question is, what gets you worked up enough that you think it's worth praying about? you got to ask yourself that question. Because <coughs> there's a line where I go, I can handle this myself or I need to pray about this. Does everybody know this line? How often we say, I can do this myself, I don't even need to bother God with that. And sometimes, whether it's like sickness, oh, all of a sudden I need to pray about it, because I can't handle it. Is it money? Is it death? That moved this church. Peter was as good as dead. Sixteen soldiers watching him, and then a lot of food in the garden at the gates and stuff. Good as dead. What about your relationships? Does that get you praying? Relationships, money, sickness, death, but also prayer is about giving thanks for the good times. Let's not forget we have to give thanks for the good times. Because it's really tempting to live my life until I meet God and go there for one incident. Oh yeah, I'm not feeling well. Please help me feel better. But I'm having this great life over here, and I'm never going back to them and saying thank you. That's a real dangerous thing. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Thanks for the good things. So, without ceasing, I'm going to read you some of the words that are in different translations. Earnestly, 
The church prayed earnestly, sincere and intense prayer was given. <coughs> Conviction prayer, gravely, solemnly, strain, solemnly, strenuously, energetically. They prayed with all their might, zealously, vigorously, constantly. In spite of persecution, it was the usual thing for them to meet and pray. And we need each other's prayers and support. Especially with these people who are going, death tells us not to waste any time. Better have time for to sit around and have coffee. Tomorrow is going to be the execution of Peter. And they're serious. They knew it was serious because they just lost James. And that told them, you don't have time to mess around. Now what was the result? What was the result of the prayer? <laughs> Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side and made him to say, quick, get up. And the chains fall off his wrist. If God says to you, quick, get up, you better get out of bed. <coughs> and be prepared because God might come to you and say, quick, make a move. Now, now's the time. Get up. I, I feel like in this country and in my life, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the snooze. I hit the snooze on my alarm. I don't want to get up right now. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. This is not the case. Peter didn't even know what was going on. He thought he was seeing a vision. Quick, get up. Now, the problem is this, the bottom. Innocence and adult prayer is not a unique thing to the modern era. People couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. What did they say to the little girl? Look, you're out of your mind. Hang on a sec. Let's just think about this. We're all sitting around and we have an issue. And we're praying our hearts out. Somebody's in real big trouble, and then somebody comes and says, Oh, by the way, they're at the door. And we turn around and go, You're crazy. Well, I don't get it. Well, what's the point of praying if you think that the, the result is coming and it's not worth it? It's not worth it. Like, what happened there? Was it disbelief? Is it disbelief for us when all of a sudden God answers our prayers? We go, I can't believe it. So I answer my prayer. There's only over, well over 40 scriptures that say God answers prayer, and then when he does answer the prayer, we go, I can't believe he answered the prayer. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's almost annoying. And, but I understand that it's natural. They were looking in the natural. It's such a temptation for us to look into the natural. Cynicism, skepticism, <coughs> it's a natural thing. I'm a little skeptical. Some people just can't be positive, have a really weak opportunity. You don't know anybody that just can't be positive. 
everything's negative, I can't believe it, I don't think so. They thought she was out of her mind because they thought they knew what was happening. They thought that they knew what was going on because they're looking through the natural. The nerve of them to say that to her. Matter of fact, it's actually worse than that. It's, it's like, look at Luke chapter, um, if you're looking, writing scriptures on Luke 24. Go to Luke 24. And I'm going to read this. is the same problem that our Lord had. <clears throat> Luke 24, starting at verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, and as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them. Again, suddenly, angels, uh, well, obviously, they just show up. This is the second time they just showed up. Suddenly, two men appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Wow. Uh, some versions say that they gleam like lightning. The women were terrified, bowed their faces to the ground, and the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why? <coughs> he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and that he would rise on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to the tomb to tell the eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. <laughs> so they didn't believe it. This today for all people. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes or no? It's a simple question. Amen. And everybody needs to answer. There's no neutral ground. I told you before, I spent five days going through the Rocky Mountains in the camper that said, Jesus is king. And nobody that passed that camper could be neutral. Either they went, yeah, or they went, yeah. <laughs> you got the applause or you got the bird. One or the other. <laughs> That's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Look at even in, uh, in Mark chapter 3. Look at his own family. This is about Jesus. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Never had anybody tell you that you're nuts. Are you out of your mind because you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? I have. 
I've suffered. I've, I've even recently, a guy rejected the story. And I felt bad. I'm like, I, I said, Lord, he's not rejecting me. He's rejecting me. I'm not One time Jesus entered the house. This is Mark chapter 3.20. Let me about this. One time Jesus entered the house, and the crowds began to gather again, and soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. And when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Has anybody ever heard that his own family told Jesus that he's out of his mind? Yeah. Somebody said that those guys have some kahunas. No problem for that. But the teachers of religious law who arrived in Jerusalem said he's possessed by Satan. The prince of demons, that's where he gets the power to cast out demons. And at the end of it, Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. <coughs> this is a sin with eternal consequences. And he said this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. My brothers, my sisters, do not ever, ever, ever judge another person. Especially if they if they're doing something like this. Jesus, I'm sure, was there in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Whether he was talking Hebrew or talking in heavenly language, who knows what the Lord was doing. People were getting healed everywhere. They were coming from everywhere. And people mocked what the Lord was doing. Don't ever do that. Be careful. Don't say tongues are not from the Spirit, because that's foolishness. Don't say that's not from Jesus, because that's foolishness. That is not our place. This is the problem, because you don't know. We don't know. We can't put a God in the box. What was the Jesus? That they would even think that. Hard to understand. But the Bible says this about us. We've been given a sound mind. We've been given this, not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And even in Luke 10 27, it says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our, what else will say, soul. Strength and mind. Yeah. If the enemy comes and tells you that you're a tune, a real tune, because you can't do that.
things to give you thanks for the new birth of babies, the joyful relationships, the goodness that you've showered us with. So help us to live in balance, Father. Help us to rejoice when times are good with each other and to mourn when times are not good with each other. And Lord, we ask for your blessing, your favor, that we can join together on issues. We need each other. We need the prayer of the Lord of the Church. Thank you for blessing the Church. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your word this morning. Help us to absorb it and take it. And pray all this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord.